Welcome to Business Impacting the Space Coast, the podcast keeping you in the know on small business in Brevard County. Business Impacting the Space Coast is sponsored by Ideal Impact Media, your partner in video marketing and brand storytelling. Today on Business Impacting the Space Coast, I'm here with Captain Kirk. I mean... Well, William Shatner. William Shatner. He's a special guest today. Contract attorney, Blake Stewart. Now tell me a little bit about the, uh, especially small business. Where does an attorney come in? Should we wait until we need one or, you know, where do you think you fit into that? So small businesses need an attorney when they start. Um, if you come see me when you start, it's cheap. If you come see me when you have a problem, it's much more expensive. And frequently you need me and someone else to fix the problem, Hmm. depending on what it is. Um, you know, a lot of small, if you're in business for yourself, by yourself, you, you know, you can get by without an attorney probably. Um, there's a lot of service trades where you can get by on a service agreement, which is probably fine. For example, like how do you guys determine how your business operates? I mean, I know you guys are, are friends and you've been working together and you got a lot of synergy, but do you guys ever get into uh, a voting standoff? Uh, yes. We call it a Mexican standoff. I always win. I'm not certain that's appropriate on this podcast. Um, as a person of Hispanic descent myself, I take offense to your mm. use of the word Mexican. <laughs> um, so let's let's go with that, a partnership. Okay, so... What do you okay? So, what do you do when you reach deadlock? Do you have a mechanism in place? Um, whatever I say goes. Oh, well, that's see, and that you know what, honestly, that's a valid mechanism. If you write it down, that is a legal mechanism by which your company will solve the deadlock issue. Mm-hmm. It's especially tough when you have two members, right? So, it's just the two of you guys, and you know, you're both talented. You both have visions, and 99 times out of 100, those visions line up. And the one time out of 100 when you can't agree, that's when the partnership breaks up. He was lying. What I say goes. (laughs) Is it written down? Yes. (laughs) On some cave drawing that he came up with. I don't know what he's talking about. Check under your seat. Agreements are just as important in small business as they are in large business. It's just whenever most people think about large agreements, they think about large businesses. Right. What do you think about when you think about a contract? When I think about a contract, yeah. I think about a binding document that two or more parties are going to need to abide by so that they don't get sued or sue each other. Okay. To try to avoid suit. That's an excellent uh I think that's an excellent definition of a contract. I just meant what do you normally think of when you like doing phone, one cable. Oh, okay. You know, automobile. You know, these are all the things that we do in our daily lives where we sign away all kinds of rights. And it's, I think it's always amazing to me when people come to see me after they've signed something and they say, how screwed am I? <laughs> As opposed to bringing me the document before they sign it. And then, you know, I can make a mess of it. I can negotiate it. Um, so it's always better to, if you, especially if you don't understand something, it can be really intimidating to have somebody slap down a 20 page service agreement in front of you. People think I'm crazy, but I negotiate everything. I negotiate my car purchase contracts. I don't accept arbitration. I certainly don't accept arbitration clauses Mm. in automobile contracts anymore. Arbitration, bad, in my opinion. So what are some of the things that especially small businesses, maybe they've been around for a while, three, four, five years, they haven't had an issue, but could be lurking in there that 
or just in general. They don't have a good contract. Maybe they are a service provider. They're providing contracts to businesses or to individuals. Should they get a review on what they're doing? Where can there be lurking problems? Here's the thing about contracts. If everybody does what they say they're going to do, there's no need for a contract. But problems arise when you don't have performance. People don't remember their obligations. You know who you are. Why are you looking at me? That's the third wall. Looked like you were looking at me. That's messed up. It's nothing personal. Um, No, but, you know, contracts do a lot of things. They they memorialize what we're intending to agree on. Um, You know, and then that that really avoids a lot of the he said, she said. So I find, I meet people all the time that have done million, the, the I'm not going to name any names, but the Muscle Car Museum, have you seen the construction for that? I mean, that was really, that was really impressive work. Yeah. Um, you know, that thing's off grid if necessary. Hmm. It produces, and what I was told, you know, I'm a power industry guy, and so... I was told that he can go completely off-grid, and that's, that small solar farm that he's got on the west side of the property will, will run the air conditioning in his large and, and the lights and, and all that stuff. Anyway, the point being is it was very well executed. It was very nicely built, and my understanding is, is that that was done on a handshake. Wow. That, right? And, you know, that's a situation where everybody that's – that's a really – it's old school and it's confident and it's a little cocky because what that says to me is that this guy is so he's been doing this so long and he has so much faith in his execution that he's just going to get it done. And if there's any kind of a problem, all he has to do is say, well, look what I built. And then, you know, you, you can litigate based off a quasi contract or, you know, verbal contracts are, you know, are they enforceable? Sometimes, you know, um, there are certain things that have to be in writing. You can't sell property. I had somebody bring a, a home purchase agreement on a napkin to me the other day. That actually happened. It wasn't like a, a law school question. I actually got a napkin contract, so I was very proud of that. Um, but with small businesses, the rule for people that either don't have an agreement or maybe they're operating off of one page. They kind of operate that way until there's trouble, right? And then, and then where are you at? Whereas if you had taken the time 10 years ago to spend 500 bucks or 1,000 bucks to have a, a, a contract's attorney put together your agreement, now, you know, here you are 10 years later, you've got this solid contract. It's a lot easier to litigate. It's a lot easier to get paid off of. Um, when there's a, a strong contract involved, and I'm representing somebody that's been, you know, somehow wronged or by the non-performance on that contract. If the contract's good, nine times out of ten, a letter solves the problem. Like if I write them a letter that says, look, you clearly have a contract. This is what you agreed to. They upheld their end of the bargain and you did not. Usually I at least get like, listen, things are tough. Let's get, you know, let's get something worked out. We can payment plan, whatever the case may be. But I would say that nine times out of 10, when there's a good contract, a letter can fix it. What if it's a bad contract? Maybe an attorney wasn't involved or an attorney who that's not their expertise wrote it, and now there's a dispute. Well, what's your idea of a, what's your idea of a bad contract? 
Seriously, I think it's important. I mean, I know what my idea of a bad contract is. What's your idea of a bad contract? So a bad contract could be something that doesn't clearly define what the consideration is, okay. what, what I would be paying, or the bad contract could be what the service, what the scope of operations could be. Very good. Those are the two biggest things that kind of stick out in my mind. Okay. There's a lot of rules that govern contracts. It was one of the hardest classes in law school. I'm sure that my professor would be very proud of me today uh, if I told him that I had become a contracts attorney, like specializing in that. Either that or he would faint, one of the two. But really, I think he would be proud of me. Um, but if we're not, if we're just dealing like between people or between like, you know, somebody performing service and the person paying for the service, um, price, performance, time for performance, right? So I saw a pool contract. You're, have you built a home? Have you ever built a home? No. Okay. So when you build a home, most home builders don't even put a sunset date. They basically mm. just have until forever to complete the construction of the house. Now, in the meantime, they've got your down payment. In some cases, you may be making milestone payments as construction reaches certain points. And if, you know, so I put a drop dead date when, when we put a house under contract, we put a drop dead date in there. And, um, you know, that's an example of something that it seems very simple, but most people don't read their construction contracts. And so they don't realize that the contractor has essentially built unlimited float into their construction project, which is frequently a home. Hmm. So another, another issue with home contracts, termination. Well, how do you get out of a contract? In my opinion, it's always important to be able to get out of a contract. Now, you don't want to make it too easy because people are making promises. People are extending themselves. They're using resources. So if you contract with me and say, hey, you know, I want you to build my house. I think a reasonable termination clause is, you know, if we get two months in and I'm just flaky, then maybe time, material, and profit, and a certain amount of profit, right? But a lot of termination clauses, either they don't allow you to terminate at all, which means I've, you know, if I'm building your house and I don't even bother to pour a foundation and I just start you know, running concrete blocks for the perimeter walls on a dirt lot. Hmm. And, you know, me and my wife go, oh, my God, what is going on? we got to get out of here. If there's no termination, you know, clause in that contract and I just stop paying and we get out of town, technically I could be found in breach. What's, what starts a contract? How do you get out of a contract? You know, what's the consideration? What's the performance? And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of nuances to, to contracts. It depends on what you're doing. So what's the first thing I'm always trying to do as a lawyer? I'm always trying to limit that liability, right? I, I want indemnities. I want no liability. And, you know, I, I was trained in contract law by Germans. So those are very risk averse, you know, very risk averse people. Yeah. Blake, tell me about businesses doing business with other businesses, B2B type contracts. How does that work? What is, if I'm a business owner, I do work for other businesses, what is something I want to be looking at? If we aren't using my contract, maybe I don't have the leverage to use my contract, I have to use theirs. What is something that's going to be a red flag to me that I immediately need to go running to you? Now, every contract should be reviewed by an attorney, but depending on the size, that may not always be the case. But what's something that I really need to be looking out for? Um, I like how you, you brought up third-party beneficiaries there. That's a 
It's a very uh, sophisticated level of knowledge for contracts. Okay, so classic example would be to be subcontracting agreements, right? So A, A hires B, you know, right? You got your GC, and then, oh, I'm the builder. I'm going to build your house. Well, he doesn't really build the house, you know? Like, he probably has a set of plans from an architect, and, and the homeowner is in privity of contract with the GC. So... The buck stops there. If they have a problem with the house, the buck stops there. Now, what people don't realize is when you get into these subcontract agreements, um, how many times have you seen crews, we'll just call them crews without a contract, work on a house? Hmm. They show up in a van, workers pile out, the job gets done, and then, you know, they leave. And basically, it's up to the subcontractor to sort of inspect that work and make sure that it um, meets the standards that he agreed with the buyer for. Mm. So let's say everything goes south on the buyer. And that GC files for bankruptcy, moves to Canada. That happened twice this year. Um, large, high-profile GC just goes bankrupt. So what are you left with? You're left with homeowners that maybe they've taken delivery of a house. Um, now you get to look, you you may, depending on how the agreements are written up, be able to look to those subcontractors, okay? What are the flow-ups and the flow-downs look like? Was there any sort of a guarantee between the subcontractor and the contractor? So if they went in and laid the carpet, you know, just really, really poorly, and the GC takes off for Canada. Now, they had an agreement with the GC, right? So they've got to meet his standard. So now you get to look to the GC's contract and say, well, we're in privity with the GC. So that means that we get to hold you to the, you can sort of stand in his shoes. So you can have them come in and, you know, reperform the work or repair the work or whatever the case may be. So you do have, you would have certain limited powers in those situations, depending on how those agreements look. Um, nine times out of 10 in the construction industry, subcontractors don't have a contract at all. Um, and a lot of times you may not even know who the subs are. So they don't get put on permit sheets or anything like that. Um, what's another good example of B2B? You guys do B2B. You do work So let's say service, just a general service. Film. Yeah. Or an IT company or, or something like that. Contracts help with accountability a lot. And obviously, when you're dealing B2B, there has to be accountability. So I hire somebody to film a commercial for my law firm. And, you know, they they show me, you know, like the matrix, like, hey, we did this and we're going to make your we're going to make you look like Keanu Reeves. And then you end up filming your commercial and the product they show you, you know, you kind of end up looking like Adam West in the second season of Batman instead of Keanu Reeves in the matrix, which, you know. And God rest his soul, Adam West was an amazing Batman. But, you know, what does your contract say? Were there quality provisions within that contract? Um, You know, film is a very, it's a very personal and a very intricate thing. So, you know, the film company could have put their heart and soul into it and really produced something they feel is valuable. And, you know, the, the, the company that hired them to film the commercial is completely appalled by it. What do you do in that situation? Right. So you have some sort of uh, you have some sort of like a creative control and, you know, provision in there that states that while they get to sort of 
provide the vision of what they want, ultimately you get kind of the final say so. So that kind of regulates problems of non-payment for Al. You didn't get my good, the, the Ariana Grande. Oh, you didn't get my good side, mm-hmm. you know, because she's only got one side you can film her from. Yeah, no, a common thing we run into is what are the deliverables? You know, is there going to be two three-minute videos or one 30-second video? So those are things that are pretty clearly defined. Sure. How exactly you're going to look compared to whatever at the end of the day, that's going to come down heavily on – you know, the director and the producer and the lighting and some of that is just what it is. You can only do so much movie magic before somebody is, you know, an alien sure. in outer space as compared to who you are as a person. Right. And Unless you use ideal impact media. I'll make you look amazing. <laughs> and it's true he does. And then a lot of it comes down to what does the schedule say? You're gonna show up on time and on this date and, and do X, Y, Z to actually capture those deliverables or, or get those assets. Schedule, so, right? Right. And that's pretty cut and dry as far as that contract could go. How much float? So if you don't mind, um, like if you're doing maybe a minute long video shoot, mm-hmm. um, what kind of float do you build in your schedule for like editing time? And We will generally build in weeks. You know, it could, it depends. If there's something that they're on a tight schedule, we're going to hit that schedule. It's going to be written in the contract, and there's going to be a premium to it. There's, there's going to be, be a, a cost. premium, of course. You price it appropriately. But most of the time, it could be we're going to shoot it on this date, and it'll say very clearly in there three to four weeks of editing, and your deliverable is going to be roughly this long. It's usually a range because a lot of these things, as much as we want to plan, we may not know until after we get those first sets of assets. We want to convey to our customer as much as possible, what the expectation is going to be. And then once we're all in agreement, once there's a meeting of the minds, things may change. Some of that may come back on us and we'll eat it. Some of that may come back on our customer and we may say, hey, to do X, Y, Z, this wasn't in our contract. There's going to be a little bit of additional. We've had to do that a few times, but it's usually very small. Mm -hmm. And so far, every one of our businesses that we've worked for has been super happy And that's what we plan on keeping it that way. Well, I appreciate you letting us take up basically the entire paper clinic for this interview. Oh, my pleasure. And that's where you're located, right next door to us, about, uh, I don't know, 30, 40 steps. Haven't measured it it yet. Yeah. It's a little bit. I take little steps. Sometimes I take tiny little steps. Yeah, it's possible. But um, so they can find you right here in Vieira, 7341 Office Park Place, Suite 202. 202. Yeah. Upstairs. Yeah. And so. They come talk to you. They got to go through the enforcer, Mary. I don't know if she's an enforcer. They can make it to you. Yeah. Um, Enforcer. I think she'd like that. She's so friendly all the time. I feel like she might like having that little bit of like, I'm the enforcer. Well, Mary the enforcer. The clients you bring through here, I think eventually eventually she's going to be, you know, having to be the enforcer. What are you trying to say? I I have wonderful clients. All of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have for today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Blake. Well, thanks for having I'm me, Trevor. I have some more questions it. for you sooner rather than later. Anytime. So, and uh, where else can people find you? You're putting some stuff out there. <clears throat> um, well, you can find uh, the Paper Clinic, which is my newest endeavor. I really get a kick out of. I really get a kick out of what we're doing here. I think we're all having a good time. Yep. It's amazing. And. Um, thepaperclinic.com 
You can find us on Facebook at Facebook forward slash The Paper Clinic. Mm. Do people still say forward slash? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Can you backslash Facebook? I think so. Oh, well, it's forward slash The Paper Clinic. And if you want to talk to me about business or contracts or construction, you can reach me at Stuart Law CS, like contract specialist, dot com. Mm. Or you can find us on Facebook, Stuart Law CS. And um, make an appointment with Mary the Enforcer. She'll be happy to schedule a time for you to come in and talk. And we can talk about contracts and business and construction. That's right. And they, you also have a podcast. I do. The Paper Clinic has a podcast. There's, we have the Paper Clinic Memo, um, which is a podcast that my wife and I do. Uh, every. It's supposed to be every week, but we did three of them and then immediately went on a crazy vacation. Yeah. And then I had a large uh, trial that started immediately upon the return from my vacation. Um, but we do it, we try to do it every week and we feature a different member of the paper clinic. And sometimes we, we feature members of the community on there as well. Nice. Um, we're looking forward to having you guys on there. And what is the drink minimum? That depends. So, so it depends on the guest and their request. We actually do two different types of paper clinic memo. We do the wet memo and the dry memo. Okay. So there's, which I think you've noticed sometimes they're, drier than others mm. but we like to think they're always interesting i think some are a little more fun than others i think some some get a little tang more tangential mm. than others you never, never. <laughs> and then of course don't forget about space cowboy justice what is that uh we talk about interesting things going on in entertainment law as an excuse to have the show uh we talk about interesting contract issues with talent um legal issues going on at Megacon or San Diego Comic-Con, and then we hit right into the nerd stuff, you know? Like, for instance, Pat's back, baby. Pat's back. What are we going to do? What does that mean for the rest of the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation? Find out on Space Cowboy Justice. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Blake, I think we got officially ended here, but thank you very much. Thank and, you, Trevor. Um, you know, come knocking on your door anytime. Can we end this with a handshake? Won't you be my neighbor? Can we do this? Watch. Pardon my boy. Action figures. Thanks. Business impacting the Space Coast, where Brevard gets down to business. Sponsored by Ideal Impact Media, your partner in video marketing and brand storytelling.